feel like you're repeating the same day over and over and over. Like, I guess I am. Man, that's depressing. Makes me want to drop a toaster in a tub. Seriously. Well, we're going to do the 1993 movie Groundhog Day. What the hell are you wearing? Looking like Big Bird side bitch. It's got a death curse. Welcome back to Flick Magnet Podcast. I am your host, Jay. I'm Bob. And we are here for episode 14, 14 Groundhog Day. What's new, Bob? Nothing much, man. What's been going on around here? Kind of got back to work this week. Kind of? I worked one day. What are you doing? Just clean up? Clean ups, clean ups. And uh, working on my equipment full time next week. There you go. We're back. I'm back. So we're doing Groundhog Day. What's your first takes on this movie? I saw it in the theaters. Really? You you, you said that before with, with your mom. Yeah. I saw it in the theaters. My mom had no idea what we were watching. And she got uh, kind of... She, she got really upset at some parts of this movie. <laughs> certain scenes, which some platforms cut out. Yeah, we'll have to talk about we'll that. We'll get to that when we get there. But uh, I still really like this movie. Like, I liked that movie then, and I think this movie's still good. Still good. Yeah, I enjoyed this movie a lot. But I don't want to say too much. I don't want to spoil it. So let's not spoil it, Bob. Let's hit that trailer. It's Groundhog Day! Groundhog time. A thousand people freezing their butts off waiting to worship a rat. Weatherman Phil Connors is spending the day in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania. Phil? Ned! Ned Ryerson, I did the whistling belly button trick at the high school talent show. Bing! Bing! But Phil's about to find out. He's not just stuck in Puxatawney. Will you be checking out today, Mr. Connors? Chance of departure today, 100%. He's stuck... In Groundhog Day. I'm reliving the same day over and over. Phil? Ned Ryerson? Bang! Do you ever have deja vu, Mrs. Lancaster? I don't think so, but I could check with the kitchen. Well, it's Groundhog Day. Again? At first, he was a little anxious. Bill? What? Will you be checking out today, Mr. Connors? I'd say the chance of departure is 80%. But now, we could do whatever we want. <laughs> He's discovering the possibilities. Don't you worry about cholesterol? Why? And living life mm. like there's Phil? no tomorrow. Phil Connors! Ned! Because... There isn't. I am an immortal. I have been stabbed, shot, burned, frozen, electrocuted. I'm a god. You're a god. I'm a god. I'm not the god. He's out of his gourd. But to get what his heart wants most... What are you looking for, Phil? A date for the weekend? ...means living this day over again, <laughs> till he gets it right. Believe it or not, I studied 19th century French poetry. <laughs> what a waste of time. I study 19th century French poetry. La fille qui j'aimera. You speak French. Oui. Bill Murray. Andy McDowell. 
to the groundhog. I always drink to world peace. Well, what should we drink to? I like to say a prayer and drink to world peace. Don't drive angry. Don't drive angry. He might be okay. Yes! Life has a funny way of repeating itself. What did you do today? Oh, same old, same old. 1993's Groundhog Day, directed by Harold Ramis, with writing credits to Harold Ramis and Danny Rubin. They cast Bill Murray, Andy McDowell, Chris Elliott, Stephen Tobolowski, Brian Doyle Murray, and uh, there's a couple others, but they're not worth mentioning. Mrs. Lancaster was uh, Angela Parton. Yeah, Mrs. Lancaster. <laughs> Takes place in Pennsylvania. Gee, no one's going to get that reference. Yeah. Just on the other side of the state, though. Best food in, in the entire country is in Lancaster, at least breakfast food. Totally agree. I had a nice buffet while I was out there uh, for our final night of our vacation. All-you-can-eat brisket. When we were on vacation in Lancaster, we found this little hole-in-the-wall diner. Best food I've ever had in my life. Oh, yeah. Some of the food is really the good butter, there. Oh, my the butter, the bacon, the bread, everything. It was just, like, amazing. And it was in Lancaster. And everything's so cheap out there. A dozen eggs, two ninety nine. Well... It used to be. Oh, it's still cheap out there. Is it? Oh, yeah. The prices are really good there. I went sh- I went shopping while I was out there. They gave you a free dozen egg when you spend 50 bucks. Like, here you go. Have free eggs. Nice. Yeah, the place is still amazing. Eggs here are like gold. Uh, pretty they, much. The price of gold. Yeah. Uh, it's getting cheaper to not eat eggs completely. I can't. I love eggs. Oh, eggs are so good. You ready to go? All right. We start off with Weatherman. Phil Connors, played by Bill Murray giving a very animated weather report, and then being razzed by the news anchor for having to go cover Groundhog Day in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. She says, Wow, Phil, you must really love this. What is this, your third year in a row? (laughs) Four, Nan. Four. Four. Very emphasis on the (laughs) four. He's not happy about having to go to Punxsutawney. Nan then tells Phil to have fun in Punxsutawney. Phil says... For your information, hairdo, there's a major network interested in me. Then Phil's camera guy, Larry, chimes in with, Yeah, that would be the home shopping network. <laughs> Larry, Chris Elliott. Chris Elliott. Go wait in the van, Phil says. Then Phil's producer asks him to stay after the groundhog, after the groundhog does his thing, and to get some more footage of the celebration. But Phil says he doesn't want to stay one more second as he heads off. We cut to Phil, Larry, and Rita, played by Andy McDowell, in a van driving off to cover Groundhog Day. Phil tells Larry that he's probably leaving the network and this will be the last time they cover this together. They then pull up in front of the Pennsylvania Hotel, which is... Not a real thing. Not at all. And Phil says that he's not going to stay here. He stayed here two years ago, and he hated it. It's a flea bag. Rita tells him that he's not staying here, and that she booked him a room at a nice B&B down on Cherry Street. He thanks her and heads off. Cut to the following morning as Phil wakes up at the B&B, and we get our first taste of this. 
Ooh, Sunny and Cher. Yeah. There ain't no hill or mountain we can climb. I hate this song. Just don't run into a tree. <laughs> Babe, look out! While you're going on a ski. I got you, tree. <laughs> while you were a congressman. Jeez. Too soon? No. What was that? 90-something? Ish. 90s. That's all that matters. We also hear on the radio, rise and shine, campers. Don't forget your booties out there because it's cold. And apparently there was a big blizzard thing, quote, coming. That's well. after he uh, predicted at the beginning of the movie that there would be no blizzard. Yes. He's like, no, Post he's going to miss us. It's going to go. a bad weather man. He's not good. They're all bad. I want to have that job. Think about it. Yeah. You could be wrong 75% of the time and still have a job. A weatherman worse than Phil Connors is uh, Dan Zero over at 115. He sucks ass. <laughs> so Phil gets dressed and heads out and is greeted by, quote, man in the hallway. That's his name. I, lo- I love I love, <laughs> I love, love uh, roles man. like that. Yeah. Like last week or last episode, we had woman. Yes. That was your title. This is Man in Hallway. And she was the one that gets killed in the beginning. He asks Phil if he's going to see the groundhog. Then asks Phil if he thinks it's going to be in early spring. Phil says he's predicting March 21st. <laughs> nice. Which is the first day of spring. Phil's then greeted by Mrs. Lancaster. She tells him about the blizzard that might be coming. And then gives her a quick douchey weather forecast. He basically tells her that the blizzard is going to miss Punxsutawney, and does she really want to talk about the weather, or are you just making chit-chat? She what, says, What a douche. making chit-chat. He's a dick. Damn, you dick. She then asks him if he'll be checking out today, to which he replies, Chance of departure today, 100%. Phil leaves and walks past an old homeless guy looking for money, as he is then greeted by Ned Ryerson, played by Stephen Tobolowski. Who remembers Phil from high school, but Phil has no clue who he is. Needle knows Ned. Ned the head. I did the whistling belly button trick at high school, at the high school talent show. This guy sounds real popular. Got the shingles real bad and almost didn't graduate. I dated your sister Mary Pat a couple times until you told me not to do it anymore. Yeah, don't come back here. <laughs> Phil says, Ned Ryerson? Bing! Ned then tries to sell Phil some, some life insurance. Yes, as, as one does. Right. In the streets, randomly, after you haven't seen somebody in 20 years. Makes sense. I wa- we've been meaning to get to you about your extended car warranty. <laughs> yeah. He asked Phil if, if he has any, and if he does, you can always use a little more. Am I right? Or am I right? Right, 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 right. Phil blows him off and goes to leave. And as he does, he steps into a giant pothole filled with water as Ned Ryerson says this. Watch out for that first step. It's a doozy. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty gross. Yes, I would make that me, is a deep fucking pothole. I would make me get up, turn around, and go back to the hotel. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not coming out. It's at least like a foot and a half deep. Oh yeah, like it swallowed. goes halfway up his shin. You're swallowed. 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 Yeah. Imagine how gushy he because he's wearing like nice shoes. Imagine the oh yeah, oh ruin those shoes. Not good. All right. Yeah. The Pens- Pennsylvania polka. Reedy, Reedy, Rita calls Phil over to where they're going to cover the groundhog. She says that these people are great, and some of them have been partying all night. They sing until they get cold, go sit by the fire, and then sing some more. Phil says, yeah, they're hits, Rita. 
Phil does his report and says, the question on everyone's mind is, does Phil feel lucky? He then says to Rita that it's the same shtick every year. They bang on the door with a stick. They say a little, they take the little rat out. They talk to him. He talks back. And then they tell us what's going to happen. Then the mayor, played by Brian Doyle Murray. Is, Bob, is he the mayor? He, uh, he or is, is he just the head of like the groundhog He's shit? listed in the credits as uh, Buster. All right. I, I thought he was the mayor because it looked like he was. He being probably mayor. is the mayor. Let's I call him the mayor. He is the mayor. He's the mayor. He, you might remember him from other uh, Harold Ramis movies as Caddyshack. Isn't he uh, Bill Murray's brother? <laughs> no. He's not? He's not. He's not related. I thought he was. He was in Caddyshack as the, the head caddy. I think they're related. Are they? I'm pretty sure. Why don't you look that up and I'll keep going. Do, 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 so do, he do. comes out and talks to the little rat and reads from a scroll as he addresses the crowd that Phil has seen his shadow. So, six more weeks of winter. Phil then finishes his report and says that he's glad he was here to witness a giant squirrel predict the weather. We then see them back in the van leaving, but they don't get too far as there is a traffic jam and a jackknife tractor trailer. And the blizzard thing has arrived. Phil's pissed and gets out of the van and walks up to a state trooper. The trooper tells him that they're closing the road due to the blizzard. Phil's like, what blizzard? It's just a couple of flakes. As the entire road is covered in snow and Phil's face is covered in snow. Holy crap, you were right on that one. I thought so. He's also related to Joel Murray and uh, he was on Mad Men at Dorman Greg. Cool. The trooper tells him, go back to the Punxsutawney or stay here and freeze to death. We then see Phil on a payphone trying to make a call, but all the lines are down. And as he's talking, some dick walks by and accidentally hits Phil in the head with a snow shovel. <laughs> Cut back to the gang at the bar as Rita asks Phil if he's going to uh, the Groundhog dinner. Phil says, no, I had Groundhog for lunch. Wasn't bad. Tasted like chicken. Phil then turns to Larry and tells him that he looks foxy and asks if his troop is going to be selling cookies again this year. <laughs> oh, God. Rita asks Phil what, what he's going to do tonight. And he says he's just going to go back to his room and take a hot shower and read Hustler or something. Cut back to Phil's room where he tries to take a hot shower, but there's no hot water. That sucks. Ha! Oh, my God! We now see Phil's old flipping numeral alarm clock as it turns from 5.59 to 6 a.m. As we hear a familiar tune. Then put your little hand in mine. I'm gonna no ski directly into a tree. Ouch. Tree. <laughs> you took my life. Oh, okay, that's too far. <laughs> that's too far. Phil gets up and hears the radio DJs and thinks that they messed up and are playing yesterday's tape. He goes to the window and looks outside, and he sees the same pickup truck turn the corner, and there's no snow from the blizzard. He's like, what the hell? What's going on here? What's going on here? Phil leaves the room and bumps into guy in the hallway, or man in the hallway. He asks him about going to see the groundhog. Phil says to him, didn't we do this yesterday? And slams him up against the wall and asks him what day it is. The man answers, February 2nd, Groundhog Day. Phil lets go and says that he thought... That was yesterday. He then bumps into Mrs. Lancaster, and he asks her if she ever had deja vu. She says no, but she can check with the kitchen. Oh, Jesus. She then asks him if he'll be checking out today, to which he says the chance of departure is 80%. 
Oh, it's 75.80. It's going down. As he leaves, he asks a woman crossing the street where everyone's going. She says, to Gobbler's Knob. It's Groundhog Day. Hey, gobble that knob. Gobble that knob. Phil says, it's still once a year, isn't it? Phil then walks past the homeless guy and ignores him. Then Ned Ryerson walks up and he does his shtick again as Phil blows him off and then steps in that huge pothole, again soaking his foot. And we hear this again. Watch out for that first step. It's a doozy. And this again. So we're back at the festival with Rita and Larry as Phil asks Rita to slap him hard in the face. She does and then pulls her aside and says that something's going on, but he's not sure what. Rita says that they'll talk after they cover the groundhog. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we'll talk, all right. Yeah. Phil starts his coverage off this time by saying that it's Groundhog Day. Again. He does his thing, and then the mayor raises the groundhog to the crowd, and this time when the crowd cheers, Phil's taken aback by this, and is like, what the fuck is going on? He drops the mic and walks off as Rita calls out to him. Cut to nighttime again, and Phil getting surprised by the cold shower again. It really doesn't. Then Phil is on his phone and he's asking when the long distance lines will be repaired. The guy tells him tomorrow. Phil says, what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. <laughs> he's starting to lose it. Yes, he's starting to go a little bit mad. Do you know how long, don't say it, but do you know how long that kayfabe in this movie he repeats today? No. I do. Ooh. Stay tuned for that at the end. He then gets ready to go to sleep, but breaks a pencil in half and puts half on the alarm clock and half on the nightstand. The camera zooms in on said clock as we see it turn to 6 a.m. again. The old-fashioned alarm clock with the paddle. Yep, and they flip over. Then we hear this again. Heads up. (laughs) Phil looks for the pencil when he wakes up, but it's not there. Phil walks right past the guy in the hall this time and straight out the front door as he runs off. Phil passes the old man as Phil jumps out of the way of him. Cue Ned Ryerson as Phil just pushes him away and walks off, stepping into the pothole again. He goes up to Rita and tells her that he's already done this twice. He says for her to meet him at the diner when they're done as he walks off. This has got to be so frustrating for him at this point in the story, not knowing what's going on, but... All he knows is he's stuck in a town he doesn't want to be in on a day he hates. It just keeps happening again and again. Which makes the end of the movie that much more satisfying. Love it. Now Phil and Rita are in the diner as he tells her that he's reliving this day over and over. As we hear dishes being dropped in the background, he asks her for help and she tells him to go and get his head examined if he expects her to believe a stupid story like that. She's not wrong. Like, no, I mean, if somebody says that to you, you're going to be like, okay, what drugs are you on? Let's face it, this guy's kind of a jerk. Right. And he's doing jerk things, and now his answer is, yeah, I didn't do my job because the day keeps repeating and I don't know what to do. Right. Dude, you got issues, bruh. Yeah. The guy at the next table hears her call him Phil as he turns around and says, Phil? Like the groundhog? Uh, yeah. Like the groundhog. Like the groundhog. Phil. Like the fucking groundhog. Larry then walks up and tells them that they better get going if they want to stay ahead of the weather. Rita says that they can talk about it back in Pittsburgh. Feels like, I'm not going back to Pittsburgh because of the blizzard. Rita says that she thought he said it wasn't going to hit here, weatherman. Feels like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Now we're at the doctor's office, and a doctor is looking at x-rays of Phil's head. The doctor is played by director Harold Ramis himself. Love it. Yeah. He says there's no spots, clots, no tumors, no lesions, and no aneurysms. At least none he can see. He tells Phil what he needs is a psychiatrist. So we cut to Phil out of Shrink's office. Shrink says that that's an unusual problem, and he should come back tomorrow. Phil covers his face with a pillow and starts punching it. Because <laughs> he knows. Ain't there, no tomorrow. Ain't no tomorrow. So we cut to Phil at a bowling alley, uh, at the bar at a bowling alley, talking to two guys, Ralph and Gus, about a day he had in the Virgin Islands, where he met a girl. They ate lobster and drank pina coladas. At sunset, they made love like sea otters. He says that that was a pretty good day. Why couldn't he get that day over and over? <laughs> I would like a day on the I beach. I would like a day like that. It would be very nice. Sex on the beach? He asked them what they would do if they had to relive the same day over and over and nothing you did mattered. Ralph answers, that about sums it up for me. Ain't got no gas in it. Mm-hmm. They leave the bar and the two guys are really drunk. So Phil decides to drive them home. As they're driving, Phil asks them, what if there, if there were no tomorrow? Gus replies, that would mean there would be no consequences, no hangovers. We could do whatever we wanted. Phil's like, that's true. We could do whatever we wanted. As he turns the car and aims it at a corner mailbox and runs it over. You ever just want to run over a mailbox? Why not? Why not? The cops see this and give chase. Phil says, it's the same thing your whole life. Clean up your room, stand up straight, pick up your feet, take it like a man. Be nice to your sister. Don't mix beer and wine, ever. That, I have to agree with. Oh, yeah. Do not mix beer and wine. Nothing good comes from that. Oh, dude, don't drink wine, period. Wine makes me throw up. Wine fucks you up. It stays. People don't realize wine is strong. Oh, yeah. On average, it's like 12% alcohol. It also depends what wine you're drinking. If you're drinking red wine, it's so full of sulfates, that stuff screws you up. It's going to make you bloated. You're going to get bloated bitch face. Nobody wants bloated bitch face. None. None whatsoever. Right? And oh, yeah, don't drive on the railroad tracks. Gus says, uh, Phil, that's one I happen to agree with. Yeah, I don't. After the recency in our country, I don't want to be near <laughs> railroad tracks at all. No. Phil then drives down the tracks as the cops follow. The cops tell them to pull over. <laughs> kind of sounds like Maid Marian when uh, she's getting the jackhammer. That's right. <laughs> now an oncoming train is coming, but Phil pulls off just in time, forcing the cops to pull off to the other side. Phil then crashes the car through a groundhog sign as the police surround them. The cops walk up to Phil's window as he says, yeah, uh, three cheeseburgers, two large fries, uh, two chocolate shakes, and one large Coke. And some flapjacks, says Ralph. Jesus. Cut to the jail as the cell door is closing on Phil's face. Phil wakes up and shouts, yes! He wanted the day to repeat this time. Now he's having fun with it. Yeah. As the day has restarted. He goes downstairs and asks Mrs. Lancaster if anyone was looking for him this morning. Perhaps a state official? Maybe a blue hat? Gun? Nightstick? She says, no. Will there be? Apparently not. He then grabs Mrs. Lancaster and kisses her right on the lips. Oh. He then tells her to hold his room for him as he's going to stay another day. Cut to Phil back on the main drag. He walks past the old man and tells him he'll catch him tomorrow. 
Ned then walks up, and this time Phil says, Ned? Then punches him in the face. <laughs> I love this. With a five-figure say the face. Slap! Phil leaves, and this time when he steps off the curb, he avoids the pothole as some other schlub steps in it. Now we're at the diner, and Phil was, has basically one of everything, as he lights up a cigarette as well. Rita is like, aren't you worried about cholesterol, diabetes, lung cancer? He says that he doesn't worry about anything anymore as he shoves a whole piece of cake in his mouth. I'm really enjoying this scene where he's just devouring pastries and donuts. He's just... So this scene, uh, Harold Ramis asked Bill Murray if he wanted a spit bucket. Because in scenes like this in movies, they do multiple takes. and You chew it and you spit it out. You don't have to eat it. Right. Bill Murray's like, nope, I'll need that. And so he eats everything you see him eating. He's eating. And he got sick because of it. He said he got sick on uh, angel food cake. Yeah. Angel food cake made him sick. And I can understand. That's really dense. Yeah. But he was eating everything. He was smoking. He was eating. <laughs> that's, that's, that's acting, man. Yes, sir. Rita is disgusted by this and says, quote, Concentered all in self, living, shall forfeit fair renown, and doubly dying shall go down to the vile dust. From whence he sprung, unwept, unhonored, and unsung, Sir Walter Scott. Phil laughs and says that he thought that was Willard Scott. So, <laughs> Willard Scott. so in walks Larry and tells them they should go if they want to stay ahead of the weather. Phil says he's staying as this town is starting to grow on him. Phil then walks up to a hot woman sitting by herself reading a newspaper. He asks her name, Nancy Taylor. He asks what high school she went to. She says Lincoln in Pittsburgh. She asks who he is. He doesn't answer and asks her who her 12th grade English teacher was. She says Mrs. Walsh. Feels like Nancy Lincoln Walsh. Got it. He thanks her and leaves. She's like, hey, what the hell? We get that view of the clock flipping again as Phil heads off to the festival. Yeah, you can play this as much as you want. I'm pretty sure this is royalty free. Yes. Uh, we see Nancy standing by the gazebo as Phil walks up to her and says, Nancy? Nancy Taylor from Lincoln High School? Nancy looks both excited and confused. Very confused. At the same time, Phil goes on saying, I sat next to you in Mrs. Walsh's English class. She goes, oh, I'm sorry. Phil says, it's me, Phil Connors. Phil says, you don't remember me, do you? I even asked you to the prom. She says, Phil Connors? And she's now starting to believe him. Phil says that he was short and he sprouted a little bit. Nancy's... And as she says, oh, gosh, how are you? He tells her how great she looks and says... Really great. She looks fucking great. He has to go do his report, and then she's like, you're a reporter? He asks if she wants to do something when, when he's done. She says yes. And he tells her to stay right here. Hey, don't go nowhere. So now, cut to them making out in his room in front of a fake lit fireplace. They're canoodling. Nancy's like, oh, Phil. Phil goes, oh, Rita. Idiot. Dumbass. She goes, who's Rita? He says, he's like, how should I know? Nancy says, what is this? Some kind of one night stand? Phil says, says on the contrary. He tells her that he loves her. He's always loved her. He then asks her to marry him, to be his wife. This is exactly what she wants to hear. So they continue making out. He calls her Rita again. She goes, it's Nancy. Whatever. Whatever. This is a Mel Brooks movie. Now, Phil's going to commit some crime. Some more crime. 
So we cut to the next day. Phil's calling things out before they happen, like a gust of wind, a dog barking. Cue the truck. Exit Herman. Walk into the bank. It's a money truck, by the way. Yes, it's an armor car. Exit Felix and stand there with a not-so-bright look on your face. All right, Doris, come on. Doris walks up to Felix and asks him for a roll of quarters as Herman comes out. He comes out of the bank with two leather bags of cash. Phil times the cars, passing him in the street as Nancy drops the roll of quarters as they spill all over the road. This distracts the guards as Phil walks up unnoticed and takes one of the bags and walks off undetected. Herman asks Felix if he came out of the bank with one or two bags. Felix like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> you think this is something important they would realize what's going on here. You got thousands of dollars in money. But anyway. Now Phil pulls up to a movie theater looking in a new looking sky blue Mercedes. Dressed like he just walked right out of a Clint Eastwood Western. He's accompanied by a woman dressed in a skimpy cocktail waitress outfit. She says, I thought we were going to a costume party. She was like, it's like I said, I love this film. I've seen it over a hundred times. They're going to go see Heidi. Yeah. <laughs> That's just going to to that. <laughs> she calls him Phil and he's like, I told you, call me Bronco. Oh, God. Sorry, Bronco. Just then Nancy walks by and Phil says hi to her. But she just looks him up and down and walks off. He says to the woman, that's my old fiance. <laughs> He's not wrong. She doesn't remember me. <laughs> <laughs> so good. He orders the tickets and says, one adult. And uh, as the woman's like, two adults, please, you fucking weirdo. What was he going to say? One child? What are you doing here? Yeah, one uh, servant? Are you... <laughs> It's so weird. Did you notice that it said the movie, it's Heidi 3? Yes. There's no Heidi 3. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Heidi 3. We got to let this one be. <laughs> oh, also it says uh, Saturday, Sunday matinee, and it's uh, nighttime right now. It's, uh, it gets dark early? In Pennsylvania? It's the next day again, and Phil starts asking Rita what she's into, what she would do if she only had one day to live. He says that he's curious about her. She asks him if he's just looking for a date for the weekend. He's like, no, I'm just trying to talk to you like normal people talk. He then asks her out for a cup of coffee and a donut. She accepts. At the diner, Phil asks her what her perfect guy is. She says, he's too humble to know he's perfect. Phil says, that's me. He's intelligent, supportive, and funny. Intelligent, supportive, funny. Me, me, me. Rita goes on. He's romantic and courageous. Me also. He's got a good body and doesn't have to look in the mirror every two minutes. Phil says that he has a great body and sometimes doesn't look for months. He's kind, sensitive, and gentle. He's not afraid to cry in front of me. Phil says, is this a man we're talking about? She goes on. He likes animals and children and he'll change poopy diapers. Phil says, does he have to use the word poopy? Oh, and he plays an instrument and he loves his mother. Phil's like, I'm really close. We then see Phil outside having removed the distributor cap to their van. <laughs> it's now uh, nighttime, and this is where Phil learns what her favorite drink is. Sweet vermouth on the rocks with a twist. That doesn't sound very good. No, it doesn't. Next day, same stitch. Phil asks if he can buy her a drink. She says yes, and he orders his drink first. Sweet vermouth on the rocks with a twist. She's like, that's my favorite drink. Phil says, me too. 
Whoa, what are the coincidences here? He's playing the game. She asks what they should drink to. Phil says to the groundhog. Rita says that she always toasts to the world peace. Yeah, she's really stuck up bitchy about I'm it. I'm better than you, yeah. and you know it. You notice, like, that she, like, turns away to have her drink. Yeah. Is of doing it in, you know, the she, studio, just like, mm. Yes, yeah, so we're, we're kind of drinking the bitchy drink. We have Michelob Ultra. It's good tasting, though. Yeah. So, yeah, she just kind of, like, turns away from, like, oh, since you won't drink the world peace, you're a, you're a loser. Yeah. Next day repeats, and this time when it comes to her asking what they should drink to, Phil says, I like to say a prayer and drink to world peace. They clink their glasses, but Phil pauses for a moment and mouths some words and says softly, Amen. <laughs> that was that was ad-libbed oh, def- it, by yeah, Bill Murray. It was definitely ad-libbed. Yeah. So funny, though. He's just, Amen. And he looks so serious. It's good shit. Now they're at a local shop and Phil offers her some white chocolate. She says, Ugh, make me sick. Phil's like, okay, no white chocolate. Got it. Yeah, she's making notes for the next yep. for tomorrow. Now Rita and Phil are having dinner, and he asks if she studied broadcasting at college. She says, no, I studied 19th century French poetry. Ooh. He laughs and says, what a a waste of time. It's a stupid, stupid thing to do. Cut to the next verse, same as the first. Only this time, when she says she studied 19th century French poetry, Phil pauses and says this. La fille qui j'aimerais, c'est la convention. You speak French. We. Oui. Oui. <laughs> I laughed so hard at that scene. <sighs> but it is a waste of time, French literature. It is, unless you're going to teach that. In spe- France. Specifically, right. So now they're outside and they are building a snowman. Phil says that he hopes he can do this one day with his own children. As he pulls out eyes and a pipe for the snowman. She asks him where he got that. Phil says, from the snowman shop. He just stole it. Yeah. <laughs> stole it from somebody. Then some young punks start a snowball fight with them. They exchange some back and forth fire as the kids run off. Then Rita and Phil fall down in the snow and stare glaringly into each other's eyes. Teasing a kiss that doesn't happen. You know what's really funny about that snowball scene? What? The director told the kids to actually hit Bill Murray as hard as he can. Hit him! As hard as he could. So Murray, in response, did the same, did the same thing. thing. He almost took the one kid's head off, barely misses his head. It was a good. It was a pretty good shot. And that's not like light snow. That's ice shavings. Oh, no. You're packing that thing. <laughs> yes. That would hurt. The, the best snow is when you pack the crap out of it. Yeah, damp snow. Oh, yeah. Is the best for optimal pain. Even if you want to like warm it in your hands a little bit. so Make it's it so, nice and hard. And, it was, and then it, you let it go. And it's so cold, it freezes up a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Clocks him in the face. Yeah, you want to take someone out. So Phil walks her back to his place and shows her his room. They sit down and they start to kiss. But Rita says that this is moving too fast. Phil asks her to stay and gives her her favorite ice cream, Rocky Road. He begs her to stay, but she's not having it. Phil's like, it has to be tonight. Phil then makes the mistake of telling her that he loves her. Rita's like, you love me? You don't know me. Yeah, this is the only person in a movie that's got like common sense. Yeah. Phil says, I know you. I know you. Then Rita gets a little freaked out and says that she can't believe she fell for this. She said that this whole day has just been one long setup. And I ate fudge. Yuck. Phil makes a note of the no white chocolate, no fudge. Rita's like, what the hell are you doing? Are you making a list? Did you call up my friends or something and ask them what I liked? That's 
A little stalker there, bud. Yeah. She tells him that she could never love someone like him because he'll never love anyone but himself. Got a point. He asks for another chance but gets a slap in the face. <laughs> Next day, same as before, the evening ends with Phil getting slapped in the face over and over. Phil walks away looking at some ice statues. Slapping montage. Yes. Cut to another close-up of the, of the numbers in the clock turning to 6 o'clock as another day has started. We see Phil hanging out with the old people watching Jeopardy as he answers every question correctly as they give him some applause. I, I love this scene. Sometimes I do this with my wife. That was cool. When we're, we're watching Jeopardy. I'll just turn and look at her and give her you know, some sort of random line. Yeah. And then take a big swing out of a Jack Daniels bottle. Nice. We see that Phil is now starting to spiral downward. It's starting to get to him. starting to break. Cut to him at the festival. He calls everyone there pathetic hypocrites. He turns to read it and says, Am I offending you, princess? You want a prediction about the weather? You're asking the wrong Phil. I'll give you a winter prediction. It's going to be cold, and it's going to be gray, and it's going to last for the rest of your life. I love the one part of speech. He goes, they really they used to pull the rat out and eat it. Yeah. <laughs> we get a series of days of Phil waking up and destroying the alarm clock. Then it goes off. The first one, he just knocks it off the table. And then he smashes it with his hand. Oh, very aggressively. And then he picks it up and slams it on the ground, destroying it. And then the, the Sonny and Cher just plays through a muffled, broken speaker. <laughs> I hit the tree and I wasn't fine. Jesus. <laughs> what are they going to do? Sue me? <laughs> Cut to Phil at the festival again as he's talking to the camera. He says that he doesn't see this winter ever coming to an end as long as this groundhog keeps seeing his goddamn shadow. He's got to be stopped, and he's got to stop him. They pack up the van, and Phil says to Rita that he's come to the end. There's no way out now. He says he just wants her to know that they had a beautiful day together once, and he kisses her on the cheek and walks over to the truck where they just put the, the groundhog and takes off in it. The cops and the festival people give chase, as do Rita and Larry. Phil has the groundhog in front of the steering wheel like he's driving it, driving the car, as he says, That's not bad for a quadruped. You gotta check your mirrors. <laughs> Just the side of your eye. Side of your eye. They're about to smash through a locked gate, as he says to the groundhog. Don't drive angry. Don't drive angry. They smash through the, the said gate, and they are now at the quarry. It's a rock quarry, right? Yeah, limestone, I think. All right. They block him off, and they think that they've got him. Phil revs the engine and speeds towards them. My favorite part of that, he goes, I want you to aim when the uh, the, the cop pulls his gun out. I want you to aim high. I don't you want you to yeah, hit, don't the, hit, hit, don't the, hit the groundhog. Don't hit the groundhog. Uh, Phil says, on me in three, Larry. One, two, three. As Phil drives the car off the cliff, landing on top down at the bottom. Harold Ramey said that they didn't realized the car was going to flip over. But it was a happy accident. That was a real happy accident. So Larry leans over and says, he might be okay. <laughs> yeah, and then it explodes. It explodes. He's like, well, probably not now. <laughs> That's such a great scene. That's a funny line. The numbers flip as Phil gets out of bed, walks downstairs and grabs the toaster from Mrs. Lancaster. I feel like we need some om ominous music playing in the background here. Let's talk about... Let's talk about what I want to talk about after we talk about all the suicides. Okay, yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. So he grabs the uh, the toaster, goes upstairs, 
gets into a bathtub filled with water. Turns that toaster on. Which has bread in it. Yes. And drops it in, killing him. Yeah, they, they, you go down and you see the... You don't actually see it. You see them down in the dining room. The lights start flashing. Miss Lancaster's like, like, oh my. Oh no. Yeah. Next day, he walks in front of an oncoming truck and then takes a swan dive off the top of a building. It looks like a church. Yeah, it looks like a church. Pretty funny. You want to say anything about this? So I watched one of the AMC versions. They cut out from the stealing of the groundhog all, all the way through the suicides. That's bullshit. Yeah, it's all, it was all cut out. Did not see any of it. When I watched it a second time on a different platform, I got to see it fully intact. But what, 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 what platform was that? I watched it uh, through through uh, Comcast On Demand, through okay. the AMC. Uh, through AMC. Because I, I, I have AMC, and I watched it on AMC. I didn't notice. I stopped watching AMC because when I take notes, I have subtitles on. Yes. So, And when I pause it, there was like a shadow kept coming up covering the subtitles. Like, I'm sick That's of- That's annoying. Exactly. So I put it in the, the DVD and saw all the scenes. Yeah, it was completely cut out. It wasn't there. So even like the one scene after all this- that you're probably going to talk about real quick. They go to the morgue to identify the body. Yeah. That wasn't in there either. No. Okay. So all the way from stealing the groundhog through the morgue. Well, what do you say? That's a good 10, 15 minutes? I wouldn't... Um, maybe 10 minutes? Maybe 10. Maybe 10 minutes? Because the suicides, I timed pretty it. pretty quick. I watched it on YouTube. It was only about like three minutes. Yeah, it's pretty but fast. But the one scene where they stole, that's got to be about yeah. seven minutes. And then, you know, they... they like you said, with the body at the morgue. But how could you cut that out? I, I don't know. That's, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's that, the scene my mom hated in the movie, but it's so memorable. That's important to the story, though. Yeah, you're seeing his downward spiral. That's him trying to quit. He's done. He's, yeah, he doesn't like, want to do it. He's done with this. Yeah, he's, he's, he's losing, and he doesn't want to do it no more. Let's cut that out. Good job, AMC. You suck. All right, so next day we see Phil at breakfast with Rita as he's telling her that he's a god. Rita's like, you're a god. He says, I'm a god. I'm not the god, I don't think. Rita says, why? Because you survived a wreck? He tells her all the ways he has killed himself. He says, he wasn't just blown up yesterday. I've been stabbed, shot, poisoned, frozen, hung, electrocuted, and burned. He says, and every morning I wake up without a scratch on me. I'm an immortal, he says. Rita's not buying this. She says, it's impossible. Just then the waitress says that she'll come back. Phil gets up and says to the waitress, this is Doris. Her brother-in-law owns this diner. She's worked here since she was 17. More than anything else, she wants to see Paris before she dies. She's like, that's true. Yeah, you're right on that one. He goes over to a couple sitting. He says, this is Debbie and her fiancé, Fred. They're supposed to be getting married this afternoon, but Debbie is having second thoughts. Fred's like, what? You fucking bitch. You son of a bitch. He doesn't say that. Phil moves on to a male waiter. He says that this is Bill. He's been working here since he left Penn State. He likes this town. He paints toy soldiers, and he's gay. Bill says, I am. I am gay. I'm gay. Fucking cares. Yeah, that, that's the dance scene right here. Yeah, we're, we're watching uh, Megan. Megan, and uh, this movie is not scary. No, it's funny. <laughs> it's kind of stupid. <laughs> but the dance scene is creepy, because she looks fucking creepy as hell. Oh, it's definitely creepy. Yeah. Uh, he moves on to Gus. He hates his life here and wishes that he stayed in the Navy. Gus is one of the people that were, he was in the car with Phil when he was trying to escape the police. Yes. Gus says that 
he could have retired on half pay after 20 years. Rita turns to Phil and asks him if this is a trick. Phil says that maybe the real God uses tricks. Maybe he's not omnipotent. Maybe he's just been around so long he knows everything. Rita then brings over to a random guy and asks and says, who's this? He says, that's Tom. He worked in the coal mine until they closed it down. And her? That's Alice. She came here from Ireland when she was a baby and has lived in Erie most of her life. Alice says, he's right. And her, Nancy, works in the dress shop. She makes noises like a chipmunk when she gets real excited. (laughs) Hey, says Nancy. Rita asks him how he knows these people. He says that he knows everything. In five seconds, a waiter is going to drop a tray of dishes. Five, four, three, two, one. Have you ever been in a, in a diner when like the wait the waiter or the waitress has dropped the uh, all their shit? Yes, God, I feel it's, so. Bad I feel so them. bad for them. There's always some one dickhead, you know, yelling something out like yeah. "smooth move, X Lax" yeah. or yeah, "just uh, set it down there," "oopa" or something stupid. Mazel nailed it. You're dumbass. Keep your comments to yourself, dumbass. Yeah, dumbass. Feels like okay. Reader's like okay. That's enough. You are God. You're basically God. Bow before Zod. Kneel before Zod. God, that's a good movie. We should do that. I want to do that. You want to do the first Superman? The original Superman. I love that movie. She asks him if he knows all about her. He tells her he does. He tells her that she likes boats, but not the ocean. You go to a lake in the summer with your family up in the mountains. There's a dock and a boathouse with boards missing from the roof. And a place you used to crawl underneath to be alone. You're a sucker for French poetry and rhinestones. He tells her when she stands in the snow, she looks like an angel. She asks him how he's doing this. He says he told her. He wakes up every day here in Punxsutawney, and it's always February 2nd, and there is nothing he can do to stop it. He says, if you still don't believe me, in 10 seconds, Larry's going to come through that door and take you away from me. But you can't let him do that. He writes down on a piece of paper what Larry's going to say and hands it to her. He begs her to believe him. Then Larry walks in and says, we better get going if we're going to stay ahead of the weather. Her face fills with astonishment after she hears this. They leave and Rita says that she's going to spend the rest of the day with him to see what happens. Cut back to Phil and Rita sitting on his bed throwing playing cards into a top hat. That's not easy. No, you got to, you got to, you know, get that curve. It's all in the wrist. It's all in the wrist. She says, is this what you do with eternity? He says, this isn't the worst part. The worst part is tomorrow she will have forgotten all about this and treat him like a jerk again. He says that it's okay because he is a jerk. She says that he's not a jerk. It doesn't even matter. He's killed himself so many times that he doesn't exist anymore. Rita says that sometimes she wishes she had a thousand lifetimes. Maybe it's not a curse. It depends on how you look at it. Rita says that she had a nice day and she hopes that they can do it again sometime. That's what I said to my wife on our first date. Maybe we can do it again sometime. It's rather cheesy, but it works. And we did. Phil agrees, and she gives him a hug and sees the clock turn to 12 a.m. She looks at him and says, it's over. You're still here. Phil says it starts at 6 a.m. He asks her if uh, she's going to leave now. She says no, and they lay in the bed. She dozes off. Phil covers her up and basically confesses his undying love for her. He says that he doesn't deserve someone like her, but if he ever could, he swears he would love her for the rest of his life. Adorable. Unfortunately, he falls asleep and wakes up, and the day repeats again. This is where I would... I don't know what I would do. Be depressed as shit? Yeah. This is where the suicide comes in. 
<laughs> right? Phil rounds the corner where the old man is, and this time he hands him all the cash he has on him. The old man's face lights up like a Christmas tree. He brings coffee and pastries to Larry and Rita. He tells them that the head groundhog, Honcho, says that they would get a better shot over, over here. He asks Larry what he thinks. Larry smiles and agrees to move, as Phil offers to carry all the heavy stuff. Rita and Larry both seem very pleased with Phil right now. Phil walks by a house where a woman is giving piano lessons to a little girl. He knocks on the door and says that he would like some piano lessons. She tells him that she's with a student and to come back later. Phil says that he'll, I'll give you a thousand dollars. That's a good way to get what you want. Right? She goes back and kicks this kid out, right out the front door. It's so funny. The kid is so dejected. She just hands her all her stuff as it's like, get She lost. just stands there with her shoulders slumped over. It's so good. So Phil gets his first lesson. Next day, Phil bumps into a man in the hallway and says, Buongiorno. The guy asks him if he's off to see the groundhog. If he thinks it's going to be an early spring. Phil says, winter slumbering in the open air. Where is on his smiling face? A dream of spring. Ciao. Avita zay. Ching tong Jesus. I'm still robbing him in tights. I know. It's still funny, though. Cut to Phil getting another piano lesson and then ice sculpting with a chainsaw. Larry asks if Rita knew he could ice sculpt. She says no. Back to another piano lesson and we see that Phil has gotten drastically better than the last time. His teacher says he's doing so good and says, this is your first lesson, huh? Phil says, yeah, but my father was a piano mover, so... Yeah, yeah. must have rubbed off. Right. Phil bumps into Ned and this time embraces him and asks Ned to call in sick. Ned's like, what? I gotta go. Phil's walking the street now at night and notices the old man stumbling around. He goes up to him and says, hi, father, remember me? This is where I started to scratch my head. This is where he starts calling the old man, like, like, like pops and father. And they never explain that. I know that uh, there's some people who call older gentlemen pops. Like, yo, pops. He calls him father here. It's just very says, bizarre. Hi, here. father, remember me? And he helps him off to get uh, somewhere warm. Uh, he ends up taking him to the hospital. And when the nurse comes out, she tells him that he's passed away. He asks, what did he die of? The nurse says that it was just his time. Phil is upset and says that he wants to see his chart. That is the worst diagnosis I've ever heard. <laughs> how'd he die? Because. It, it was his time. He's dead. So how'd he die? Eh. Hey, his fucking heart stopped. He just what stopped breathing. What do you want? Death showed up. Yo. Death, death comes knocking. What are you going to do? Hey, what, what are you going to do? I ain't done diagnosing him here. Forget about Forget it. Forget about it. He's just dead. He's so, dead. Sometimes people just die. He goes into the room and pulls open a curtain and says, where's the chart? The nurse looks at him and says, sometimes people just die. Phil says, not today, and walks off. Now Phil is at the diner with the old man, and he's giving him bowls of hot soup as the old man slurps it up, as more plates of food just keep coming out. And he smiles. We then cut to Phil and the old man outside, and Phil is trying to resuscitate him as the old man is lying on the street lifeless. Except he's not doing any CPR. He's just breathing into it. Well, he's still alive. He's just, <laughs> he's just bad at this. Phil gives the man CPR, but it's to no avail. He's dead again. Depressing. Yeah. Now we cut to Phil giving an eloquent speech at the festival about there being no better fate than to have an extended winter with the people of Punxsutawney. Rita is wooed by this and asks Phil if he wants to go get a cup of coffee. Phil asks for a rain check and says that he has some errands to do. Rita's like, 
errands. What? Now Phil's walking down a residential street on the sidewalk, and he's checking his watch. The walk turns into a sprint as he gets to a tree and catches some kid who falls out while climbing it. Phil says, what do you say? What do you say? What do you say? You little brat, you never thanked me. I'll see you tomorrow. Maybe. Cut to the next errand as we see a car of old ladies driving along with a flat, and he starts uh, to jack it, jack it up and change their tire. Those old ladies are credited as flat tire lady. Yeah. It's a very creative. <laughs> and before, the boy was boy in tree. That's what it is. I think these are my favorite part of movies. Just random nondescript actor is blah. Now he's at a restaurant and a man is choking on his steak. It, I think it's it's Mayor Guy. Phil walks in, gives him the Heimlich, and saves his life. He says to the guy, if you're going to eat steak, get some sharper teeth. He then lights a lady's cigarette for her and walks out. She's smoking in the restaurant. Yeah, the uh, those are some strange days. Those are good old days. Cut to Larry at the bar hitting... Hitting on Nancy, he asks her if uh, she wants to like go see inside of his van. You want to see the inside of my white van, huh? I got candies and puppies. I have candies in there. Nancy declines and says that she's just gonna go back to the party. He says he'll join her as they bump into Rita, but not before Larry, who uh, says, "Oh, I got to leave a tip." And when they go to leave, he takes one of the dollars back. Mm, you little bastard. Rita says that maybe they should call Phil to join. Nancy's like, "Phil Connors, I think he's already in there." They go in and Phil is rocking out on the piano as the whole town seems to be in there dancing. He sees Rita and looks blown away as he ends the one song and goes right into his solo. How long has he been in this loop that he is now this proficient piano? Ten years. You think so? No, it's ten years. Oh, God. That was said directly from Harold Ramis. Oh, God, that's awful. That would be awful. They said originally they wanted to do it 10,000 years. Oh, God. Yeah, imagine that. Yeah, but he's been 10 years at this point. This is awful. That's how he knows. He knows everybody in the town. Everybody. Their whole story. You know, this this movie turned into, from what seemed like a nice kind of arcing movie, into what could be a potential fucking nightmare. Yes. <laughs> this is, this, this is movie, so daunting. This movie's now rated R. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is it, though? I, no I think it has to be because of the suicide. Yeah, but, but it's 1993. It was too. 1993. I bet you... Let's see if I can find it. It was a PG movie. Get the hell out of here. Yeah, because uh, we were a bunch of, uh, you know, Pansies? squibs in, in 1990s. Squid Games? Squid Games? All right, so Phil steps down. And his piano teacher is there to greet him with a hug. Rita's like, I didn't know you could play like that. Phil says, oh, I'm versatile. So he and Rita start to slow dance as the three old ladies from the tire change car come up and thank Phil for helping them out earlier. Then the wife of the choking man, the mayor, from before comes up and plants a big old wet one on Phil's mouth, completely cucking her husband, who is right there behind her. Jeez, man. You're, what a douche. You've been cucked. She says that she never thanked him properly for what he did for, for Buster. She says he would have choked for sure. Phil says, yeah, maybe. He was trying to swallow a whole cow. Next up to pay tribute to the Godfather is the young couple, Fred and Debbie. You know Debbie, the one who's having second thoughts. Yes, having second thoughts. What? <laughs> they thank him for making Debbie go through with it. Phil says that all he did was fan the flames of passion that she already had for Fred. Debbie says that Phil's the best. Phil says, no. You are. 
and hands him two tickets. They look at them at the same time and yell, WrestleMania? No way! They freak out and say, how'd you know? We're going to be in Pittsburgh anyway. So, Bob. Super Brawl Saturday? Super Brawl Saturday? There has never been a WrestleMania in, in Pittsburgh. No, there hasn't, has there? No. So, that's complete bullshit. And you're talking to a couple of marks. So, that means he got a fake tickets. Yes. It's kayfabe. It's okay. <laughs> Debbie then kisses Phil on the mouth and Fred kisses Rita on the cheek. And she gives him like a, what the fuck are you doing? Don't you dare kiss another woman as she just kissed Phil on the mouth. That's okay. That's all right. It's fine. Then an old couple walk up to Phil and addresses him as Dr. Connors as she thanks him for fixing Felix's back. Rita says, Dr. Feels like, it's more of an honorary title. Yeah. Rita doesn't understand why slash how this is all happening. She asks, what's going on? I've been stuck here for (laughs) 10 goddamn years. Phil says, do you want the long or short version? Rita says, let's start with the short version. So next, there's an auction to whore out all the single men in attendance as Doris, the waitress, makes Phil the first candidate. The bidding goes back and forth between Doris and Nancy as it reaches $60. Then Rita wins the bid by bidding this weirdly exact number, $339.88. Wait, he's only at 60 bucks. Do you not? You don't know how auctions work. Go to a clean hundred if you want. $50. No, she's For, $40. <laughs> $100. Um, $75. A bajillion. Sold. <laughs> it's that episode of Family Guy. Peter doesn't know how to uh, negotiate. Yes. <laughs> but if you have a mustache, you can speak Italian. Boppa da boopy. Boopity boppa da boopity boppa. Next bachelor is Larry, and he uh, only gets one bid from an old lady for two bits, which is how much? 25 cents. Shave and a haircut. Two bits. Yes. Larry looks out to see who it is and mouths the words, oh, shit. Then Phil and Rita are trying to leave as Ned Ryerson pops up and gets introduced by Phil as his new insurance guy. Ned says to Rita that he hasn't seen Phil in over 20 years and out of the blue buys all the insurance. Ned says that this is the best day of his life. Phil and Rita are now outside as Phil is carving a self-portrait of Rita's head out of ice. He turns it so she can see and she's amazed by it. She thanks him and asks him how he did it. Phil says that... He knows her face so well that he could have done it with his eyes closed. Phil gets closer to Rita and says that no matter what happens tomorrow or the rest of his life, he's happy now because he loves her. Wow. Rita says that she thinks she's happy too. Yeah, but in another version, you barely even know me. It's still like (laughs) one day for her. It's so weird. It's so weird. Like only he's been there trapped. Yeah, he's been there for 10 goddamn years. He knows what's going on and she's... Before, was creeped out by this, and now it's like, eh. Yeah, but now he's got everything just right. Very nice. Very nice. They then kiss as it starts to snow as they head off. We cut to another zoomed-in shot of the clock turning to 6 a.m. As you get another, uh, you know, I gotta play it. I Trees. Got, I've got you, tree. I found the tree. <laughs> With my face, please. <laughs> Sorry. I can't help it's it anymore. Fine. But this time we hear a voice on the radio say, No, not this song again. As Rita reaches over to turn off the radio. Phil pinches Rita to see if if she's real. Uh, They kiss each other playfully as Rita says, Why weren't you like this last night? He says, It was the end of a very long day. Whoa, funny joke here. He leaps towards the window to look out as he sees all the people are gone and the ground is completely covered in snow. He asks Rita if she knows what today is. Phil says, It's tomorrow. 
It's tomorrow. Wow. They kiss, and they, and then we see them leaving the B&B. As Phil says, it's so beautiful. Let's live here. They embrace again as Phil says, well, we'll rent to start. <laughs> Roll the credits. I need more. Bob's chugging his girl beer. Go grab another beer. Wow, only 95 calories? Michelob Ultra, 26 calories. 26 carbs, 95 calories, 42% alcohol. Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri, 12 fluid ounces. A superior light beer. Surgeon General's warning. <laughs> I guess it is a superior light beer. All right, so with that said, let's get into some uh, user, not user, just review. It's review time. As Jay cracks another cold one. So let's go start off with the positive reviews. Rotten Tomatoes has a critic score of a 94% with an audience score of 88%. And IMDb gives this an 8.1 out of 10. Dang. So, yeah, positive reviews. Eleanor O'Sullivan of the Asbury Park Press here in New Jersey. Ooh. Not entirely witless, just about any movie starring Murray has its good low humor. Groundhog Day is nevertheless a movie about redundancy that is a series redundant itself. Jeez. Doesn't sound like a positive review, but it is. All right, my first positive one. Mine are off IMDb. Ten stars. It's been... The title. It's been a while. Every time is like the first time. It's been six or seven years since I watched this masterpiece. Possibly, you would argue, hey, if it is an excellent movie, what is Titanic, The Godfather, and The Shawshank Redemption? Well, if you are still not bored after 100 views, it is perf- it's a perfect, perfect movie for you. This guy's spelling is killing me. Oh. And it holds for me. Easy, but important idea is the key of everything. And it's, it's just his grammar in This general. is love. We all want... In our lives, and I should note, pretty good acting of Bill Murray. <laughs> okay. Whoa. Scott Tobias, Tobias. Of, as, of the AV Club. No film has understood Bill Murray better than... no. F- uh, this should say filmmaker. No filmmaker has understood Bill Murray better than Harold Ramis' brilliant Groundhog's Day. A hilarious and unexpected profound comedy that breaks him down and reveals every conceivable facet... Of his personality. It's inconceivable. Clever filmmaking. Showing substance and talents of lead actor. This is one warm, intelligent movie. Really lives lives to its reputation, which is overwhelmingly positive. A lot of substance. All understated. Some laughs. Respects its audience and delivers points cleverly. If you want to be encouraged and shown a positive perspective with almost no pandering, this is a movie to watch. You got any more positive reviews? I have one more. Let's hear it. Rewatchability. Once you watch it, you'll want to watch it again ASAP. 
and then again. Yes, Groundhog Day is probably the most rewatchable movie ever made. It gets better each time. Oh, that's a that's a stretch there, bud. Yeah. It's a stretch. Bill Murray is perfectly sarcastic as the man who knows. Guaranteed fun. Watch it. As the man who knows guaranteed fun? Yes. These people. I think, I think he left something else there. <laughs> It's a copy and paste. I heard, I heard uh, Man Knows. I was like, The Man Who Knows Too Little? <laughs> the Man From Uncle? I watched that recently. The uh, the latest one? The latest one. So did I. It was okay. I liked it. Yeah, I like Harry Cavill. It was enjoyable. I like Harry Cavill a lot. Now for some uh, one star. Ooh, negative reviews. Yes. You go first. Boring, unfunny rubbish. This is one of the worst films I've ever seen. It's slow, it's dull, it's miserable, it's repetitive. It doesn't have Vin Diesel in cars. Bob, she says it's repetitive. It's, that's the fucking story plot! That's the joke! Ooh, son of a bitch! You idiot! That's the point of the movie! <laughs> None of the characters are likable. I have n- Really? Andy McDowell's not likable? She's Mc- fucking adorable. Yeah, she's hot. I like her. She's beautiful and classy. Yeah. I have no idea why thousands of people claim that this is the best comedy film ever. It's bad enough that there's this ridiculous myth that whether or not ro- a rodent turns around can predict the length of the winter to make a film based on such a thing as idiot. But that's idiocy. What, but you're the idiocy. The movie's not based on that. If you don't want to see a movie about a groundhog predicting itself or something repeating, don't watch this. You moron. But the... That it, it was just a plot device. It's not what the movie's about. <laughs> These people. I don't You, get it. madame, are an idiot. So. A dumbass. Bill Dupree of the News and Observer out of Raleigh, North Carolina. Murray's success here is also the film's undoing. This is, this is his vehicle, and the rest of the cast, as well known as the town itself, becomes the straight man. That's the point of the movie. This is so dumb. Yeah, he's he's carrying the movie, and the rest of the cast makes is the straight man. <laughs> That's the point of the movie. Don't you know what a movie is? Come on, man. Makes me want to bang my head against the door. Right. All right. Title. Let it go. This movie has been televised here so many times. Where, in prison. That I am sick of the sight of it. Just, don't watch it. Just. <laughs> hey, that movie I hate. Is on again. Hey, then you're go- really going to hate Shawshank Redemption. Because <laughs> <laughs> that movie's on every day at some point. Just like Groundhog Day, playing out over and over again, the network thinks it's amusing to put it on about twice every year. Oh lo- my god, that's, that's... I love how he knows exactly how many twice times Twice every on. year bothers you? Like an old joke. It was funny the first time, but now it's just plain boring and stupid. and has become tiresome. I am determined that I will not watch this movie ever again for as long as I live. Get over it. It's not funny. You, sir, are a dumbass. Dumbass. All right. Lawrence Topman of the Charlotte Observer. Ooh. Groundhog Day is a three-quarters baked idea, combining its A Wonderful Life and Monty Python sketch. It's a very near miss coming as close to the comic target as the release date comes to the holiday itself. Jesus Christ. Damn, dude. So for my final one, had to get this in. Oh, God. Worst ever. This has got to be the worst movie ever. Okay. 
maybe the second worst ever. I like Bill Murray most of the time. Andy McDowell, okay. Usually too gooey sweet, but this is just stupid. How in the world does this thing get an eight out of 10? No wonder it took 28 years to watch. And now I want my hour and 45 hours back. <laughs> Big time. This is stupid. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> oh, man. That's going to bring us in the trivia. That's probably been the most enjoyable uh, uh, <laughs> reviews in a while. That was a good one. Some of them are just stupid. You, sir, are a moron. So, Bill Murray was bitten by the groundhog twice during shooting. Murray had to have anti-rabies injections because the bites were so severe. <laughs> this happened during the uh, the, the car scene. <laughs> it's just got the shit beat, bitten out of by a groundhog. You would think that... And the way the scene looks, the scene kind of looks a little CGI-ish. Like he doesn't, it does. He's like yeah. not really there. So that is it shot good or shot bad then? Because <laughs> I don't understand. It's a real groundhog, and he's really holding it. And he's really getting bit the shit <clears throat> out of him. He's really getting bit. All right. The scene where Phil picks up the alarm clock and slams it to the floor didn't go as planned. Bill Murray slammed the clock, but it barely broke. So the crew bashed it in with a hammer to give it that really smashed look. Nice, nice. Harold Ramis originally wanted Tom Hanks for the lead role, but decided against it, saying that Hanks was too nice. I can't see anybody but Bill Murray doing this role. No, he was cast perfectly. Among the content of special features, Harold Ramis states that the original idea was for Phil to live February 2nd for about 10,000 years. Later, he says that Phil probably lived the same day for about 10. We covered that. The film was not filmed in Puxatoni, Pennsylvania, but actually in Woodstock, Illinois, which is just 50 miles from Bill Murray's hometown. There's a small plaque that reads, Bill Murray stepped here on the curb where Murray continues to step into a puddle. There's another plaque on the building and the wall at the corner that says Ned's Corner, where Phil Connors uh, constantly meets Ned Ryerson. During the steps a doozy. During this, uh, the Ned scene, the sign Woodstock Jewelers is clearly seen in the background. That's cool. Uh, my last piece of trivia. Uh, the movie was selected in 2006 for preservation in the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress for being, quote, culturally, cultural, say that culturally? word. Culturally? Yep. Historically or aesthetically significant. My final one is, in the original version of the script by Danny Rubin, Phil Connors was already trapped inside Groundhog's Day at the I start of the that. story. Yeah. We, we join him on a typical day with the audience wondering how he knew everything that was going to happen. Harold Ramis promised not to change this aspect of the script, but ultimately decided to do so anyway. <clears throat> he nice. needed to. Yeah. Otherwise, the movie makes no sense. Exactly. All right, that's trivia. Oh, it's time for our ratings. Yeah. The revolution is televised. He changed his music, by the way. I think Ricky Stark changed it. No, he didn't. No, he didn't? No. I thought, does it sound differently? No. Oh, what the hell was I watching? I don't know. I don't know! Super Bowl <laughs> Saturday! Did you watch the uh, the main event on Dynamite? 
Um, John Moxley and uh, Evil Uno. Why don't we'll just put this out there? Every time John Moxley comes on my screen, I turn it off now. He Dude, I was lo- shouting at the screen for them to get Uno off the, the the ring and get him some fucking help. He was gushing blood, man. John Moxley has turned that into a joke. I'm sick of seeing it. He, um, someone needs to control him for his own good. All right, that was our wrestling uh, talk. Real quick, uh, the budget. I, I meant to do this in trivia, but yeah, I let's see the budget. The budget. They had. God damn it! My phone just timed out. All right. The budget was fourteen million six hundred thousand. Uh, opening weekend, it did twelve million five hundred seventeen, and domestic, it grossed seventy-one million one hundred seven thousand. So it was a hit. It was a hit. Oh, uh, I did. I wanted to add one thing. The uh, the scene where he jumps off—that's actually the Woodstock Opera House. Oh, and when he does the swan dive. When he does the swan dive. That's actually the exterior of uh, the used as exterior for Rita's hotel. So he jumps off the hotel. Okay. So, um, it's time for our reviews, and I'm going to go first this week. You go. Uh, like I said before, I saw this when it came out in 93 in the theaters. I was very young at the time. My yeah. mom was very upset that the guy is killing himself repeatedly, but that's what I remembered most of all about this movie. That's when you're like, oh, this movie's fucking awesome. And that's why when I saw the AMC version, I started to freak. I'm like, where's all the suicide? Yes. <laughs> How this got a PG-13 rating? Nowadays, it would be, it's got to be a, a PG-13. No, it was a PG rating. It should have got a PG-13 rating nowadays. Maybe even an R, because he's killing himself. But overall, this was a good movie. It started, had a nice arc, got to the point, came to the finish line. A good story, good comedic timing, good yeah. actors. <clears throat> Eddie McDowell is hot. I like her. Very nice. I don't know if, she, if I would consider her hot. If she was not dressed... As She's a- too classy. She was dressed... At classy in this movie, but if they yeah. dressed her up a little bit, she hot. Oh, she's beautiful. She's, she is even now beautiful. She's yeah. 63 years old, I think. She's in her 60s. Yeah, she was born in the late 50s, so she's right around there. Yeah, yeah she's uh, she was born in 58, so she'll be 64. Um, What's your number? This movie gets an 8 out of 10. All right. I'm not going to go on too much more about it. I was hesitant going in about this movie. I remember it as being eh, it's okay. But as I, I watched it, I was like, okay, this movie fucking rules. This is a good movie. It's funny. The comedy is perfectly timed, like you said. I like the, I like a little bit of dark. So got some of that. Yeah, it's got a little dark in it. And it, I like a little love story. I'm going with you. It's Nate. This is an eight. It's an eight movie. Definitely. The movie's great. It's a it's a good movie. Watch it. Alright. Yeah. That's our ratings. Watch out. For the Trees. <laughs> We're fucking idiots. Well, that's the show, everybody. So, look us up on Facebook at Flick Magnet, Twitter at Flick Magnet Pod, Instagram Flick Magnet, and you can email us your likes, your suggestions, what you thought about this movie, what you didn't like about this movie, at Flick Magnet Pod at Yahoo.com. 
And if you like us and you can't get enough of us, if you're some weird person like that, go over to, and you like wrestling. We do a wrestling show, Backyard Wrestling Podcast. I just did uh, Elimination Chamber. Before that, me and Bob did the Royal Rumble. And there's hundreds of episodes that you can listen to and Yeah, the next podcast we're going to do is... Uh, WrestleMania. WrestleMania. I don't know if I'm going to actually watch WrestleMania over here. Maybe watch it and then come over and do a review about it. Whatever you want to do. Because that's, that's a long... That's a long. It's two days, man. It's t- Well, not only is it two days. If they're going to start at 8 o'clock, it's two days of not ending until oh, midnight. God damn. Or past midnight. And what's worse, that or AEW? AEW, because half the matches are blow and they're too long. Not every match has to be a half-hour match of blood and stupidity. No, I agree. So, so Jay. Yes. You're going to play What's Next for these people? Yes. Stay tuned for this. I'm excited about this. Really. Oh, I also got another way we can start picking movies. Ooh. I got this randomizer app. You just put in a bunch of shit. It spins and it lands on fucking whatever you want. I like that a lot. All right, thank you guys for listening. See you next time. See you next time. There it is, Planet Druidian. And underneath the air shield, 10,000 years of fresh air. Let's get through that airship. We will, sir. Once we kidnap the princess, we can force her father, King Roland, to give us the combination to the airship, thereby destroying planet Druidia and saving planet Spaceball. Everybody got that? Spaceballs, the move. Princess Vespa spaceship within range, sir. Good. What's going on? It's either the 4th of July, or someone's trying to kill us! Now we will show her who is in charge of this galaxy. If you do not give me the combination to the air shield, Dr. Slotkin will give your daughter back her old nose! No! Only one man and his trusted companion can save planet Druidia from disaster. Okay, Eagle 5, coming in. Own star. First, they must learn the secrets of yogurt. Yogurt? I am the keeper of a greater magic. The force? No. The Schwartz. Avoid capture on a distant planet. Come up to comb the desert, you hear me? Comb the desert! Found anything yet? We ain't found. Battle the entire Spaceball Army. Shut my ear! Holy! And escape the clutches of Dark Helmet. I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. Abandon ship! Proceed to escape pods! What the hell's the matter with this seat, fella? When does this happen in the movie? Spaceballs, the movie. How do I know you're not making faces at me under that thing?